Welcome to the Jesus Image Podcast. lifted in your presence just don't leave us the same Jesus loves them, that'd probably be better. Thank you, Lord. Good morning. Are you happy to be in the Lord's presence? Isn't he wonderful? Uh, Pastor Ron and Miss Sandy Johnson are here this morning. Would you both stand? Can we... Can we honor them, please? What a gift. Thank you. Thank you for being here, both of you. Thank you. They are such a gift, not only to the city, but to the world and to our lives. And thank you all so much. I'm actually going to ask if you guys would lead us in communion when we're done, if, if you wouldn't mind. Are you, are you excited about Jesus? Gosh, Carla. <laughs> I'm joking. I, we know it wasn't your fault. It was Lily's fault. Happy birthday, Lily. I know we said it already, but... 
I got to baptize Lily in my swimming pool years ago and pour a bunch of oil on her head. Now I know why the Lord wanted me to pour so much oil. I never knew she'd work with us. <laughs> she got super sanctified and touched, but she's such a gift to us. Thank you. What a, what a blessing Lily is to all of us, really to this whole church. You just don't know that, but she really is. Oh, have I forgotten anything, babe, or can I get right in? Yeah, you already told her. <laughs> she said, did I go back next week to OCC? We, yeah, we're there. All right, Holy Spirit, teach us your word this morning. Quicken your church. Those watching around the world. And Lord, we feel in the spirit that your church is at a crossroads and that this faith that has been handed down once and for all must be carried on to the next generation. Raise up true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ here. I plead the blood this morning over this house and everyone watching. May the word of the Lord go forth in clarity and power. You will have your kingdom, Lord. It is yours and you will have your church. And how we long to fall on the right side of that dividing line. May we hear the scripture in our spirit. He who's with the Lord stand here. And Jesus, today we choose to stand with your gospel in the shadow of Calvary and the authority of your holy word. And I pray, Father, that as you've done throughout the ages, that you would endorse the preaching of your word this morning with power, with miracles and signs following and that your church would fear you deeply in Jesus name amen amen years ago I was uh, I was I think at Joy Dawson's home and she she uh, had read my book on Jesus called the Jesus book and she said she liked it which was good news <laughs> because if she didn't she, she would have told me and um, and she said uh, I love your focus on the love of Jesus and that meant a lot and she said but I want you to grow in the fear of the Lord and she said in your generation there'll be a great battle over the fear of the Lord and she said I in fact I believe and she must have been at the time Joy and I walked together for uh, let's see she died at 94 I believe last year and we met when I was 26 gosh so we walked together for 19 years and uh, 
walking with joy was like walking with a garrison of <laughs> battle-hardened, Jesus-loving Navy SEALs. She was something else. And how the church needs mothers and fathers again who hold the line, hold to the word of the Lord. And she said the day will come where the fear of the Lord will uh, be looked down upon all in the name of friendship with God or in the name of Christian liberty. And I disagreed with Joy at that time. I felt like the last great message would be what I wrote my book on. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> and uh, she said, no, no, no. The love of God is obviously preeminent. But she said there'll be a battle over the fear of the Lord as the coming of the Lord approaches. And the more I, I follow the Lord and have the joy of walking with you all and with our students, I'm starting to hear Joy's voice. And maybe she was right. Then I actually had the joy of playing golf with, uh, for the first time at that time, we played many times since, with John Bevere. And while we were playing, he said, you know, your generation will have to rediscover the fear of the Lord. And I thought, well, you wrote a book on that. How, how convenient, right? <laughs> and I, I pretended to agree with John, but I, in my heart, hadn't gotten there yet. And how many of you know, how many of you had moments in life where you finally woke up to something and you heard the voice of someone you disagreed with in the past, you go, they were right. Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, if you've had parents, you've had that happen. <laughs> Right? <laughs> it's true, isn't it? We are going to have to determine as a people what type of Jesus follower we will be. And then we need to determine who defines what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Is it up for grabs? Do, do we have the authority as flesh, as dust, to redefine what it looks like to follow Jesus? And at the end of the day, the, the battle is still over. Who is Jesus Christ? Who is he? Is, is he the Jesus of the word or is he a man-made, counterfeit Jesus who fits our preferences? I, I realize I'm speaking this morning to more people than are in our local church. And I feel that this is where we are as a people. Paul wrote of, of, of his calling that he was led to slaughter a daily. This isn't morbid, it's just Christian faith. It's the Bible. And we're going to have to determine if the scriptures, please hear me now, if the scriptures are going to be our ultimate authority as it pertains 
to answering the question, who is Jesus? In the early church and for generations following, if somebody claimed to have had a vision of Jesus, the first thing they would do was look for holes in his hands and feet. They refused a Jesus who had not been nailed to the tree. So the answer, or I should say, the debate is not over specific issues at the core. The debate is over who is Jesus Christ because we cannot lay another foundation. All of the issues are symptoms over the attempt to remove the immovable foundation. Paul wrote, let no other foundation be laid but this foundation, Jesus Christ. So when it comes to beholding Jesus, the head of the church, when it comes to looking upon Jesus, we must not construct our own vision of him. You know, I, I think I've shared this before, but I knew, I knew God had given us something. I just, I could feel it, but I, 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 I don't know how to explain it. You, you ever know something more deeply than you're able to articulate? I knew the Holy Spirit was taking me on a journey when I was asked to do a, a television show, a big one, a huge one, and they, they asked me what I would talk about, and I said, Jesus. And they said, well, our people are already born again. Can you take them into the supernatural? And I thought, what are you talking about? Who's more supernatural than the Lord? But it revealed, it revealed a, a vacuum that I, I hate to say. When a vacuum is created in the body of Christ, the devil and demons fill it. But we are, we are at a crossroad. We're at a fork in the road and you're gonna have to determine if you really wanna follow the Lord Jesus Christ. What that looks like. It's not just a walk in the park. It's just not and the reason it's not is because he has holes in his resurrected body. Are you hearing me? Jesus himself is the definition of the faith. That's why by the end of it all, Paul said, this is finally what I want in Philippians 3. I want to know him. He had been whittled away through a life that was priestly. He even said that, that the gospel goes forth through him by his priestly ministry. In other words, as he gave himself away, it was an offering unto the Lord. And through that offering, the gospel progresses. The gospel goes forth Fragrance goes up when we are on the altar. I don't mean this altar. You're going to have to hear me by the Spirit this morning. But as the coming of the Lord grows near, 
you will see a lot happen. You'll see the difference between wheat and tares. And the one part we forget about in that parable, it's not even a parable, it's actually a description of what will happen, the bundling of the two bunches. There's a bundling that takes place. There's a separation that takes place. There's a gathering, one of, one of the translations would read it that way. A great gathering takes place, a gathering of the wheat and a gathering of the tares. And this is the hour we're in. But the answer is found in our vision of Jesus. I don't mean, when I say vision, I don't mean like visionary encounters. Though if you have one, praise the Lord. But I'm talking about the internal vision of the Lord with the eyes of our heart that is deeper than mental thought. Our view of the one we love, our view of the bridegroom must be framed by the Holy Scripture. Your view of following him must be framed by the view of Holy Scripture. Or friends, listen, it is not discipleship. It is not the Christian life. And as I've said for years here, two whole years, (laughs) five on Sunday nights, two here I think, right? Two and a half in the morning. There's a reason this cross is on the platform. And I could, listen, I I know how to teach other stuff. I could activate you prophetically, but what's the use of activating prophetic employees who don't know the Lord Jesus? That's how you get into all this weird stuff. Uh, It's just the truth. It's from the cross that the glory of God flows. John the Beloved finds glory in the cross. It's why when he beholds heaven's throne room in the book of Revelation, he sees a lamb there. John's writings define glory, what it really looks like to be glorious. To John, it looked like a naked, skinned-alive God-man nailed to a tree for his enemies. This is glorious. It's radiant. And it's the reason John is there. As a prototype of what worship looks like, there in faithfulness at the foot of the bloody one whom an entire city turned on. This is discipleship, friends. This is what it looks like. This is why Jesus let John put his head on his chest. That intimacy birthed something. It was proven that while an entire city wanted Jesus dead, John beheld him. Are you tracking with me this morning? The faith must be reintroduced. And it's why it's so wonderful to have fathers and mothers like Pastor Ron and Miss Sandy here and Pastor Benny and I. This thing was never meant to be the new hip uh, 
I'm of age now because I look a certain way. Now I'll lead the, no, no, we need fathers and mothers leading the way saying, this is due north. This is due north. When Timothy came Paul's way, Paul found courage to preach the gospel. We need to walk together. We don't have the right in this age to redefine it. If I am incorrectable, I am not living as a disciple. If you remove correction from the text, you have to remove the entire text. If you remove correction, you have to take out the epistles. Anyone bold enough to do that? Is anyone bold enough to remove Jesus' warning to every church in the book of Revelation? What has happened in the hearts of the church that rather than receive the loving pruning of the Lord Jesus, what has happened in us that we reject it? I'll tell you what's happened. It's self-deification. It's to say that I have arrived and I don't need the Lord Jesus and the work of his spirit. I grew up, I don't know a version of the faith. I'm just being honest. I don't know a version of the faith that doesn't honor people who have been doing it longer than I've been alive. I don't know that one. I don't want to know it. I don't, I, don't, I don't recognize the version of the faith that if I'm sitting at a table and a man walks in whom God has used, I don't recognize the version where I just sit there and look at him according to the flesh. The scripture says we see no one according to the flesh. And we mustn't let the failure of leaders cause us to fail. I'm telling you, we're, we are at a, we're at a juncture. You know, they asked Billy Graham, when a man fell, they asked Billy Graham, uh, how do you feel? He said, I, I slept at a hotel near the Charlotte airport. Recently, this is how he answered. <clears throat> and I saw planes take off and planes land. None of them crashed. Occasionally there's a crash, but it doesn't take away the fact that many took off and many landed with purity and allegiance to Jesus. Jesus said, Jesus said that offenses would come. We must hold true to Jesus. We must. That was my intro. Are you feeling it? I don't believe anybody sold everything and moved to Orlando. I mean, I love our city, but if I was going to sell everything, if, if God had called me here, I'm not moving to Orlando. I'm, an, I, I'm glad God called me here. This is where I belong. Praise the Lord. 
But if he didn't call me here, I'm going to be down at Ju- in Jupiter somewhere or <laughs> Ponte Vedra, maybe Newport Coast. I don't know. But not on I-4. Some of y'all are in beanies because it got below 80 degrees already. <laughs> Who would choose that? But all of you who paid a price to come be in the presence of the Spirit, in your heart of hearts, I know you are wanting to follow Jesus. Wanting to be with Jesus. You were created to fellowship with the real Jesus. And the scripture says, eternity is within us. Eternity. All of you have a sense of the age to come. And you were meant to live with that sense. Hear me, friends. You were meant to live with the sense that you will stand before the throne of the living God. And give an account, as Paul writes, for every deed done in the body. That's what the Bible says. We will all give an account. I've had people say, well, no, 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 that's, that's not going to happen for the believer. But all means all. We shall all, he's speaking in the church, give an account to the Lord for what we've done in the body. And based on that account, Based on that audit, that will determine our experience in the age to come. I, I don't think you got that one. Your eternity, as a believer, I'm not just speaking to, to this isn't a believer or non-believer issue. This is a church issue. I'm speaking to the church. Your eternal experience will depend on how well you died to self and came alive in God. That is the gospel. Charles Spurgeon said, said, as he aged, I have the quote in my phone, there's one thing I want now, to more consistently die to self and live for him. Friends, there's no other on-ramp. There's just no other way on. There's no way into glory than to lay your life down. Let me get to a text here. I gave you a bunch, but I understand. Do you want chapter and verse? I gave you a lot, by the way, already, but let's go there. Go to Genesis Chapter 22. We'll look at verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Not tempted, tested. May may, may I say this very, very quickly and lovingly. God is a thorough test giver. (laughs) He will thoroughly test you. 
And it's typically in the test that things come up that you didn't know had to be dealt with prior to the test. And Abraham said, here I am. Verse 2, and he said, now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood, this is all pointing to the cross, split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Friends, listen, at the onset, God says, tells Abraham where to do it and what he should do. When the Lord speaks, we say, yes, Lord. I, 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 as a pastor of a house that loves to sing, maybe many of you were drawn to this house because of the worship. Thank God. But worship is not limited to singing. Then on the third day, say the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off and Abraham said to his young men, listen carefully now, stay here with the donkey. I love that you have a father, a son, two beams of wood, a third day, and a donkey. And Abraham said, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. We've also got a resurrection. We will come back to you. We have a father, a son, two beams of wood, a third day, a donkey, and a resurrection. Maybe that has something to do with Jesus. I don't know. But I want you to notice here, I said this last week and at the school. It doesn't say we will go yonder and harmonize or sing a duet. It says we will go to worship. True worship is the laying down of the will. Now Abraham could have said, and maybe he thought it, how could you ask this of me? You gave me this son. And in the question lies the answer. It's because he gave him his son that he can ask for his son. Abraham discovered God's desire for him that he have no right in the presence of God outside of obeying God. His only right before God was, you've given me all, therefore all belongs to you, including this miracle child. Anybody who's walked with the Lord or been entrusted with with a measure, a great measure of the anointing, understands what I'm talking about. There are times where God makes a request that, that are so deep, you often wonder, why don't you ask other people for such, a, such an offering? Why, why, why are you so meticulous with me, Lord? 
Anyone ever thought that? Why can they just move wherever they want? And I have to live near I-4. What, what, have anyone ever, why do I have to be so into your voice? Why do the littlest decisions bring me great conviction? Because of what the Lord has done here, we stay busy. I mean, I, I, you know, it's not like we just twiddle our thumbs all day long. And I'll be walking down the road and I'll see a rapper on the ground. Not like a music rapper, a, 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 a straw rapper, just to clarify, okay? <laughs> a rapper, you know, a straw rapper. I'm not joking. And I've walked by places, and, and I'll, I'll go 20 feet past, and the Lord will say, go pick that up. So what's that got to do with my calling? Because the Lord's trying to get to something. Obedience. Death to self. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience through the cross. This is Christianity to the core, and I've gone back and picked up a little wrapper. There are no cameras on. There's nothing going on. And I pick up that little wrapper, and, I'll have, and I've oftentimes had this thought go through my head. There's somebody who does that for a living, and I've had the Lord say, why don't you make their job a little easier? Pick up the wrapper. Do you know what I'm talking about? I've often marveled at people who have, seem to have a liberty to live where they want and do what they want and buy what they want and hang out with whoever they want to and the Lord seems with me to be so specific. And in my immature days, I, it felt like a bondage, like it wasn't fair. And a decade goes by and I see the goodness of God in all of it. Imagine these words regarding Jesus, that he did nothing he did not see the Father do. The prophet writes that he dug in, in the ear of the Lord Jesus, that his ear was opened in the mornings to hear the word of the Lord. It's not bondage. Friend, it's discipleship. This is who we are. I said, this is who we are. We're Jesus followers. My question is, what was Abraham doing? What was he about to do that he deemed as worship? They were not scaling the mountain to sing. He was scaling the mountain to offer his God, his greatest gift from God. And in that moment, Abraham fell into a favor with God that we stand in today. It's the only way to live, friends. I said it's the only way to live. John's writings depicted that cross as a throne. Sometimes we get messed up because we read the Gospel of John and then go straight to the book of, of Acts, right? And so we think that it's like all in this sequential order when we read it. But when you open the book of Revelation, 
if you, there are so many similarities. You see the, the narrative of the lamb. You see the beauty of worship. You see what it looks like to walk in true glory. It's like the, there, it truly is a revelation where the veil is lifted. It's almost like the Gospel of John is, is connected to John's writing in the book of Revelation. He is defining what glory looks like. A lamb on the throne. What is that saying? True rule, true kingdom life looks like death to self. This is true greatness. True greatness is yes, Jesus, no, Michael. Are you getting it? And so Jesus, Jesus says it like this. He says, if you hold on to your life, you will lose it. And he's not just talking about eternity, though it applies to that. He's talking about the experience of constant divine life that is meant to flow through us and be our food. So Jesus is giving us the answer. He says, if you hold on, you will not know the grace of the Spirit experientially like you could. But if you let go of your life, if you let go of control, if you let go of your opinions and yield them to the Holy Scripture, the Bible says forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Let every man be proven a liar. The Scriptures remain forever. Did you know Jesus said? You say, well, I'm not sure I need that. I'm a believer. I'm, I'm in the grace of God. I, I'm walking with Jesus. I don't need the scriptures. Do you know Jesus was aware of the scriptures? Do you know Jesus taught the scriptures? Do you know Jesus used the scriptures to combat the devil? Do you know Jesus understood what the scriptures said about his own coming and yielded to what they said? He said, sacrifice and offering you have not desired but a body thou hast prepared for me. And then he said, it is written of me in the scroll. Behold, I come to do your will, O God. If Jesus said, I have discovered my role and what it looks like to accomplish your will, not my own, your will, and the scripture defines it, don't you think the church should? If Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done, should the church beat with that at a heart level? And I think that's why we wonder, where is the victory? Where is the victory? Where is the power? Where are the miracles that we've been promised? My question would be, where is the cross? Where is the release of our own life and the clinging to his divine life? That Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. If the gates of hell are prevailing in the church, there is a Jesus deficiency. Are y'all awake? So every pastor watching, every pastor in this room, every Christian, yield your life to the scripture. The scriptures are not controlling. The scriptures are not manipulative. The scriptures are holy. 
And I want to I want to encourage everyone here, refute reject any form of Jesus that you don't find Genesis through Revelation. Do you know Um, I'll close with this. How are y'all doing today? Good? You with me? Do you know that the Jews left with the wealth of Egypt? God had made a nuclear waste zone of Egypt by the time he was done with it. Their natural resources were gone. They had no water source. Their money was gone. Their firstborn was gone. It's a side of the Lord we don't understand. We should. If you feared him, you would understand. If we feared him, I should say, if we feared him, we would understand. You don't steal his firstborn and think your firstborn gets off okay. The Lord called Israel. They are my firstborn. Let them out so that they can come worship me. Pharaoh said no. He said, fine, I'm taking yours. Because he's the God of redemption. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the God that we serve. And God said, I'm going to get involved now. And I made a covenant with this Abraham. And I am the God of covenant. God has a long memory. Before the church judges people, We need to realize we are not aware of the secret covenants God made with them in their prayer closet. We don't know the trial. We don't know the conversations they had with the Lord at three in the morning. We weren't aware of the fast or the multiple fast that they went on. We weren't aware of what it cost them to get on a plane every week. And we don't know. And if we don't know, we need to be quiet. Because he's the God of covenant. Jack Hayford said this, God is a better friend to us than we would ever be to him. He's slow to let us go. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. And so God steps in. He had a covenant with this man who gave up his own son on that mountain. It was a death of will. Isaac didn't die in the natural, but he may as well have because Abraham offered him as though he would have. He wanted Abraham's yes. Because of that covenant, God stepped in. And he rescued his people. And that last night, the people of Egypt were so tired of trying to constrict those that God was trying to liberate that they said, just take everything we've got. Get out of here. And Israel left with the wealth of Egypt. And God gave them that wealth for a reason. Listen carefully. To build him a house. To build a habitation. And they walked out with gold and silver and jewels. And the first thing they did when Moses went up the mountain, that is a type and shadow of the Lord's ascension, they lost the fear of God because Moses had been gone too long. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is coming back and he's not blind. He's coming back. We need to live with the awareness that Jesus is coming back. And while they lose the fear of God, they do something quite interesting. They take what God gave them to build him a house, and they build their own version of deity. 
That's why they used gold. The gold of the tabernacle was meant to say one thing, and this is what it was meant to say in street vernacular. Don't get this twisted. He's God. He's not your friend. He's your friend secondly, secondary, in the secondary nature. He is first the Lord. And that's why, that's why the tabernacle is overladen with gold. It's why there's gold over the acacia wood. The first thing you step into is this. Jesus is the Lord. He is the God who came down from heaven. He is from above. Who, as Micah said, he is of the ancient past. He has no beginning. That's why I love John, because his Christology was beautiful. In the beginning was the word. As my son Benny preached, God became man. Man did not become God. And they take that which was meant to bring the fear of the Lord and craft a calf. And do you know what they named that calf? Jehovah. They said, we'll just, they said, that's what they said. They said, they built a calf and they said, now let's host a feast for Jehovah. And so they took their idol, their self-constructed Jesus, and said, now let's just worship him the way we'd like to. And we'll just call this the faith. First of all, they made a calf, not a lamb. First mistake. Number two, we don't have the right to build our own Jesus and just give him a name. And you know what they were forced to do? Smash the idol and eat it. That's what happened. They had to consume their idolatry. And that's always what happens. You create your own Jesus. You'll begin to digest your own version of Jesus and become one with that version of Jesus. And that version of Jesus is not the one who carried his cross. Friends, in closing, and those of you watching around the world, I am begging pastors, leaders, mothers, fathers, business owners, but I want to talk about that mothers and fathers piece. Sit down with your children. Teach them the Bible. How it moved my soul to hear Tommy Reed say that every night he grew up, his mother read him the crucifixion account from the Gospel of Matthew. Every night. Every night, I bring my kids and Jess into our room. We go through our scriptures. We take communion together. Lately, we've been repeating the Lord's Prayer, Psalm 91 and Psalm 23. It's time for the church to do this again. At a guttural grassroots level, get our homes back must win our homes again. Pray over one another. Couples, listen to me. I'm speaking to you as a pastor as lovingly as I know how. Pray over one another. You need a spiritual connection with each other. Husbands, step up. Be a man in the face of a culture that doesn't want you to step up. Step up and be a man. Lay your hands on your wife. Speak a blessing over her. Be a priest. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a beautiful thing. 
honor each other. You know, the scripture actually says both. Honor each other. And you want to win honor in your wife? Prove to her that you die for her. That's what Ephesians 5 says. Declare your, the word of God over your kids daily. Prophesy into their future. Since my kids were little, I've said this over them. You are a great son. You are a great father already. They're not fathers already. <laughs> you are a great husband. You are a man and woman of God. And you will serve the Lord. I've said that over them since the day they came out of their mother's womb. It's not our job as pastors to do all the work. I am encouraging you, take your homes back for Jesus. Take them back. And pastors, pastors, I'm lovingly appealing to you, all of you watching around the world. I am lovingly appealing to you to preach Jesus clearly, regardless of the cost. You preach this Bible. You preach this Bible, as we sang earlier. If none go with us, we're following Jesus. One day we will give an account, a more thorough account, a more detailed account. James writes, do not rush, don't hasten to be a teacher, for we will be judged accordingly. I'm asking you as shepherds around the world this morning, to teach Jesus like your eternity depends on it, because it does. It does. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can like and subscribe to help us continue to reach people around the world with the gospel. Give today at jesusimage.tv forward slash give. You can also join us in person or online every Sunday at Jesus Image Church. For more information on Jesus Image, events, Jesus School, and resources, visit JesusImage.tv.